Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Baseball Insiders. I am Adam Weiner alongside Fanside. It's MLB Insider Robert Murray. We hope you had a good Christmas break. The Los Angeles Dodgers certainly did. Introducing Yoshinobu Yamamoto yesterday. And while the dam has not necessarily broken on the offseason, we've gotten plenty of moves sprinkled in and a lot is occurring behind the scenes. And that's why Robert is here to talk you and I through it at the same time. Robert, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. It's good to finally be back. Uh, the Christmas break was definitely welcome. Recharged the batteries a little bit, broke some news, which is always good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll tell you, it was I was not on my phone as much as I expected during Christmas break, um, which was really nice. And now, as soon as the Christmas break ended, it seems like a lot of things around the league have started to heat up, which is always really good. But Adam Weinrib, always a pleasure. How are you doing, good sir? Always a pleasure, of course. I I thought I'd be on my phone all break long, too. But then after the Yamamoto stuff went down late Thursday night, I was kind of like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> Whatever happens from here happens from here. I wasn't chasing down anything uh, pressing. But plenty of names, as you've reminded everyone in the Discord, still to drop and big names, too. If you're upset because your team hasn't made a move, we get it. But Look at the names that have yet to come off the board. It's most of them. So we'll talk out the developing markets. We'll talk out pivots for the teams that lost on Yamamoto, of course. A couple specific names whose markets seem to be moving a little bit. A lot of people asking about Teoscar Hernandez, so we'll cover him. Cody Bellinger as well. And drop your questions in the chat. As always, a reminder that first priority in the chat for questions goes to our all-star members on Discord. If you have not signed up yet there, if you are not in the Robert Murray rumor mill on Discord, we welcome you at either level. Just become a member on the YouTube channel and you will get the Discord link given to you depending on which level you join at it's the best place to keep the conversation going between shows between episodes and if anyone's having trouble getting in during the show after you might have to wait a little while because our production staff is still on holiday break but we will get to you when everyone is full force we can guarantee you that it's the best place to go for news between shows we are also still partnered with sleeper sleeper daily fantasy here at the baseball insiders we'll give new users a first deposit match 
up to $100. Make sure to use our code FANSIDED2. That's FANSIDED and the number two when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always game responsibly and make sure to check and see if you qualify. Robert, we got plenty to get into. We got people complimenting my haircut. That feels good. Drop your team questions in the comments for sure, and we will get to them. But it does feel like the place to start is the uh, the teams that have been most involved, most active in the market following the Yamamoto news. And I guess maybe we can knock a couple of teams off early here. But from your notebook, from your conversations, which teams have been lighting up the most since that bomb dropped? Yeah, it's it's. There's been a lot of teams that have been have increased their activity uh, around the league in terms of talks and and everything. But um, I will say the Chicago White Sox making the Martin Maldonado news was or doing the Martin Maldonado siding, and then also getting Tim Hill today. Um, I thought the Maldonado signing at first, I teased that in the Discord before I broke that one actually, and I said it was a really odd fit. And it was something that I, I did not see coming. But everything that I got to gather, or the, everything that I gathered, was that the White Sox really want to improve their defense this year. In uh, that was their main priority in getting Paul DeYoung. It was their main priority in getting Maldonado. They really wanted to do that. He's also going to be a key member of that clubhouse. He was a valued member of the Houston Astros in terms of that, and also his defense. I know it slipped a little bit. But that was one of their top targets this winter, and they ended up getting him. Tim Hill should ha- end up helping with that as well because he's pretty good at uh, at uh, generating the ground ball as a as a side armor. Um, but I will say, the market overall has really kind of heated up, and uh, some of the top names are getting. I don't want to say closer, but their markets are starting to move in that sense. I know there's been a lot of people who have been really frustrated by the lack of big name signing. And I will say like that makes many of us, I, it's been kind of frustrating on my end too, trying to track this all down, but it's, it's started. I would imagine we might have one of the big names come off sooner rather than later, perhaps by the end of the year. And then that can really get things going, but I not to further upset folks by the way that the market is going here. Let's make a um, bad. Yeah. But like, obviously, the cream of the crop right now is the starting pitching market. And Lucas Giolito, I I think he's going to end up getting a a really nice contract. And it would not surprise me at all if he got right around 20 million a year or somewhere above that. But if you look at the other top starters, Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell, among others, are represented by Scott Boris. And... Boris typically takes his time in terms of free agency and he lets the market set itself for the players um, because he does not want to, he wants to make sure that they get the most value that they possibly can. And he's willing to be as patient as possible. So it could require some more patience on those guys end, especially with Cody Bellinger as well. Cause I think he's the kind of guy who's going to up signing late into, uh, into the off season here. Just the feeling that I have right now. And to answer your question, Andrew Lee, I have five TVs in my living room, which we love that. Um, always a good thing. But the key to this offseason is going to be patience. I will say, and I, as I said before, the market is heated up for sure. There's a few things that I still have in my drafts that I'm waiting for, uh, and I'm waiting for the go text on those. Um, but the, the, the key is just going to be patience. And I know that's going to be frustrating to a lot of folks, but that's just kind of where we are throughout this entire offseason here. Yeah, and 
again, we thanked everybody for rocking with us. Like if you can rock with the baseball insiders during an off season like this, then you can rock with us during any off season. Cause we have been extremely patient. We'll continue to be, we appreciate that you come here for your news nuggets. One team before we sort of move on to the pivots that did stand out. And I saw a few comments about them were the Mariners, just because we've been confused about their direction for a while. Uh, you know, they shed Suarez's salary. They make the Kelnick move. What are they? Are they knocking money off their books for a reason? Are they just knocking money off their books to retool? And then they go out and grab Mitch Garver, who I think you and I both thought might have been a valuable piece for a contender next year. Two-year commitment. They've already got Cal Raleigh behind the plate. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of move a, a contender or a team that fancies himself a playoff contender would make. You know, Mitch Garver, I'm sure, had plenty of suitors after the year he just put up. Didn't have to settle for a middling yeah. team like Seattle. What does that tell you about their intentions? I, I don't really know. It's, it's know. strange because the Mariners, they sold pretty aggressively uh, at the start of the offseason. And now they're adding Mitch Garver. And like obviously everyone is continuing to connect their teams to some of the Mariners starting pitchers. I don't get the sense that the Mariners are in any hurry whatsoever to move any of their starting pitchers. So I, I think that is probably going to be a, an unlikely scenario. And I mean, there's plenty of other starting pitchers who are being bandied around the market. We can get into that here in a little bit, yeah. but the direction of the Mariners is just really puzzling. And like, I like the Garver signing. Don't get me wrong. I think that was a good move and it weakened a division opponent for sure. Um, but they need to continue to bolster this team. And I don't necessarily know what direction they're going to go in. Um, obviously like, I think third base is something that they absolutely should upgrade. Uh, right now, if you look at it, Luis Urias is going to end up being their their starter come opening day if they keep going at this. And he hasn't been good enough for the Padres. He hasn't been good enough for the Brewers, and he has not been good enough for the for the Red Sox. I don't know necessarily what Jerry Depoto sees there, and if they see something that could they could potentially unlock with him. But that would be a position I'd try to upgrade. There's other positions on that roster that I would look to upgrade as well. Um, and I think they're going to try to do that without sacrificing any other starting pitchers. And that could be a challenge unless they have more money to spend than I think they do. Mitch Garver, grab your glove and head to the hot corner, buddy. You're playing third base in Seattle. No, probably not. But that <laughs> position does still need upgrading. Uh, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at their pitchers cause they're making me look at their pitchers. I'm even looking at Luis Castillo, which feels like an absolute pipe dream, but like, what are the Mariners? And you look at Luis Castillo's five-year deal for just over a hundred million dollars that he signed last offseason. looks like the biggest bargain in the world. The Mariners wanted a haul and they didn't want to contend. I might entertain flipping that cause it's cheap and you're going to get a prospect haul. But obviously that's only if you are tearing it down to the ground, um, we talked about the pitching market and, and you floated that we would talk about a couple of names, big names uh, shortly. It does feel like the Yamamoto losers, um, you know, the Phillies are mentioned in the comments here and, and we are, they did make a push and they certainly tried. The Red Sox are in that bucket. The Yankees and Giants feel like the primary Yamamoto losers because the Mets finished with the second highest bid, but they seem content to maybe wait till next off season to bolster that rotation at this point uh, or at least with big names in the, in the deeper end of the pool but the Yankees and Giants still feel like they need to shore things up attempt to contend and the Giants might be trying to make a Blake Snell related splash so I wonder what the Yankees and Giants plans look like now that they know for sure they're not getting Yamamoto 
even though they probably should have figured that out a couple of weeks ago, given what he said at his Dodger press conference yesterday. Yeah, and it's for the Yankees, I think it's a little bit more um, – it's, it's going to be a little bit more challenging for them because I don't think – I mean, I would not anticipate a Jordan Montgomery reunion. I know we've talked about that on a previous show. I think that is probably a bridge that they're not going to end up crossing. Yeah. Um, Blake Snell, is that the kind of guy that they're going to end up trying to target? I don't necessarily know. Like, I know, wait, you, because I feel like you ended up tossing a name out to me in the previous show as far as for the Yankees that would have made sense for a starting pitcher. I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, but. Like it's for me, it's just it's a really conf- like Yamamoto was clearly their their top target, and yeah. missing on him was a huge blow. And I don't really know how they're going to address that rotation. I think it's going to be a little bit more tricky than than they had hoped. And I don't necessarily, as I said, I don't think a Montgomery, I don't think a Snell is going to end up being. Um, is going to end up being their top target. So that's a little bit more uncertain. As far as the Giants, I have more clarity there. So I, I've we've talked about Blake Snell as a Giants target, and I think there could be a little bit of pause there in terms of his, like, I'm not as certain about that fit as I once was, and that's because of his walk rate. And that's something that Farhan Zaidi has been pretty firm in, like, staying away from in terms of offseason targets. And I think, I mean, Snell is a very talented pitcher. He's had a lot of success against the Dodgers. You cannot deny that. He's coming off of an awesome year. Um, But I think that could give the Giants some pause and may make him not not the most likely option. I think a guy like Imanaga could make a whole lot of sense there. Um, But I really think if the Giants are going to spend, I think Matt Chapman makes a whole lot of sense. And, like, there's been – I've heard in recent days uh, the Giants' name connected to Chapman – uh, I don't think anything is, I don't think nothing is close. Nothing is imminent there, but like there's just a lot of connections behind the scenes there in terms of the Giants and Chapman. And um, it's going to be, I'm not necessarily positive what, on what that contract is going to look like. I know as a fact that Giants are going to have to pony up to get him because at this point, he's one of the top two options remaining on the market in terms of bat. They need it. They need a way to answer the Dodgers and everything that they've done because the Giants, I mean, they got Jung Hu Lee, which obviously was a very good start, but they cannot stop there. And I think that's going to be a name to watch. And Imanaga and Marcus Stroman is another name that I think makes a lot of sense there. And I know the Giants have shown interest there. Um, so I think those are the names to really watch for with the Giants. I'm going to need to go back and listen to last week's episode to know which Yankees name I dropped. I feel like I was high on Christmas cheer, just throwing stuff at the wall. But I, I mean, I liked Bieber for them as the price. You know, you would think the prospect cost would have decreased at this point. But then they go out and I mean, basically, the first place I look with any Yankees trade is to Cleveland, like because of Matt Blake. Like, who does Cleveland have? Who's their surplus? And they go and make a Cleveland trade two days ago. They get Estevan Floreal, send him to the Guardians in exchange for Cody Morris, who's, you know, got some starts under his belt in 2022, mostly a bullpen option, optionable reliever, and he's got minor league options. I'm intrigued, but you wonder, like, all right, are they going to go back to Cleveland and make a separate deal, or was that their Cleveland deal? Like, did they ask about Bieber, got the price too high, and they're like, ah, we'll do Florial for Cody Morris and call it a day. Like, it's it's sort of weird to think about the Yankees maybe going, trudging back to Cleveland in a couple of days and being like, should we start talking again about other stuff? I like the move, but it does feel like maybe that closes a door on Bieber that may or may not have been opened in the first place. 
Uh, I don't know if it closes the door necessarily. I, I think, I mean, what it shows is that the two sides are familiar with each other and yeah. that they are able to make deals. Um, and like I'll use I'll use this as like a segue into going into the the pitching trade market here. Yes, sir. And it's been like obviously with Corbin Burns and Dylan Cease, we've heard a lot of different trade buzz there. But with Bieber, it's been pretty quiet, and I I don't necessarily know what to make of that but there's been a lot less buzz there with Bieber than there has been with a lot of the other arms that are on the market and I think that may signal that a trade is unlikely but that being said the Guardians have a history of trading players before they have to pay them and they've there's been very rare cases in the in terms of them keeping the player and that's been Jose Ramirez and there might be some others I but I think for the mo- for the most part the the Guardians have really shown that they trade players before they are going to get paid. And I think if they don't trade Bieber at this point, then I think a trade deadline move is makes a whole lot of sense. And as far as Corbin Burns, I am still of the, the belief that a trade is unlikely there. I anticipate Burns starting the season in Milwaukee. Trade deadline could be a bit of a different story depending on where the Brewers are at in the standings, but every indication that I have is that the Brewers want to contend it in 2024 and prefer to keep Burns and they prefer to keep Devin Williams. They prefer to keep Willie Adamas. Um, so that's the direction I think the Brewers are heading in. But I'll, I will say if they are at a point where they are not contending come mid season, I think the Brewers could really have the trade market in their hands because they would have probably the best starting pitcher. They would have perhaps the best reliever on the market in Devin Williams and a shortstop in Willie Adamas that I'm sure the Los Angeles Dodgers would love. I know the Atlanta Braves have had interest in Adamas in previous off seasons. Don't necessarily know where they're at now, especially considering the emergence of Orlando Arcia and then uh, the presence of Von Grissom, which, I don't necessarily know what his future holds in Atlanta. So that could be potential trade piece if they wanted to use that one. Um, but, and then Dylan Cease is, is the last one here. And yeah. I, I think he is going to be traded, but I would not say it's, it's a lock and the white Sox don't have to move him now, unless they end up getting an offer that they just simply cannot refuse. He's under contract for two more years and they can afford to be patient. If they keep him and trade him at the deadline, they're still going to get a really good haul in return considering he's going to be under contract for a year and a half. So like, do I think a trade is likely? Yes. Is a trade a certainty? No. And I think the White Sox are operating with under that way with, with Cease and even some other guys like an Eloy Jimenez, or I never thought a Luis Robert trade was ever likely. I, I think that's going to be a guy that stays there, but um, I really, I think that's the case though with, um, with Cease and also Jimenez here, among others. Yeah, and keep in mind, as I was going to say, and you brought it up, somebody's going to have the opportunity to own the trade deadline here when demand increases. So I'm talking about, hey, you know, maybe the Yankees can get Shane Bieber at a prospect discount. The Guardians don't want to trade Shane Bieber at a prospect discount. So maybe they try to contend this year. If it falls apart at midseason, they might get to own the market. And if they don't, if Bieber struggles or is injured and is not going to be a trade piece that they can dangle and get what they want, it's not like they lost out on a haul. Because at the start of this, you know, prior to this season, they're not getting a haul for Shane Bieber. 
the Brewers want to contend, but if they don't and they keep Burns and Williams and Adamas at the deadline, and Burns and Adamas are free agents, Williams is not, to answer uh, the question in the comments. But if things don't work out for Milwaukee, they could have a trade deadline fight. They could control the market Scott Boris style at the trade deadline. So you just don't know. Uh, I also do want to shout out, we've had Joshua ask a few times here in the comments about the Marlins. I know they have Jesus Lazardo that they value very highly. I know they have Edward Cabrera. Like, Are those names sort of the tier B on the trade market? Or are you hearing anything about those guys? Yeah, I, I think those are probably the tier B guys on the market, but I don't anticipate either. I like I think a Luzardo trade is is unlikely. Uh, I think the price there is going to end up being too high for some teams. I think he makes a whole lot of sense for for a lot of teams, but the, I think the price at this point is just too high uh, for their like or for other teams' liking. So I anticipate him staying. I think a guy like Cabrera can make a lot of sense um, in terms of the market, and um, I I think. I also would put him in the unlikely category in terms of being moved. It's the Marlins are in a really just interesting spot here. And I, I think one of their primary goals this offseason is to improve their farm system. And he like they could do that in a lot of different ways. I don't anticipate them trading like a Sandy Alcantara or Yuri Perez by any means, but like there's a lot of other pieces on that team that they can end up trying to trade to improve that farm system and adding a couple of top 100 prospects to the, to the list there. Um, but I do know as a fact that Isaiah Connor Falefa was someone that they really, really, really liked. And they were not willing to go to a second year um, for IKF who ended up signing a, a 17 or a $15 million contract with the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, that was one that I know caught a lot of people's attention. And we will, we'll, I'll get into that once I'm done with the Marlins here. Yeah. Um, but it, like, I think the one certainty as far as the Marlins go at this point is that they're going to end up adding, um, is they're going to end up adding a, a, another catcher. And I think Andrew, Andrew Kinzer, or Kinzer uh, is someone that they like. And is a name to keep an eye on in Miami. Yes, the Marlins offseason, as you've hinted, could go in many different directions at this juncture. And if they coveted IKF that much, look, it seems like a lot of people did because it's good to t let's talk about that a deal that's done before we pivot into the world of the unknown. Um, two years and $15 million for a quality utility man, but also someone who objectively hit 240 last year, struggled at shortstop for the Yankees, was thrown into center field last year for the Yankees. Not a power guy, OPS in the 640s the last two years. Valuable player in the right circumstances, does the little things, but you're paying now $15 million for the little things. It feels like, you know, a, a team on the verge, I guess a team with a lot of budget flexibility can pay that, but a team maybe that doesn't have so much can manufacture that from the system. Uh, either way, odd to see that paycheck. Good for IKF. But like you said, the number's that high because a lot of teams really coveted. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This guy. They absolutely did. And I so to start off with this, I I totally get where the Blue Jays' fans' frustration is at. They went from being connected to Juan Soto and Shohei Otani to signing Kevin Kiermeyer and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Uh, I totally get the frustration. And the IKF deal caught me off guard in terms of the, the price point. But that being said, I, if you had watched the previous shows, I mentioned that IKF was very likely going to get a two-year deal. And there was numerous teams who were willing to go give him a second year. And he was one of the more... I would say surprisingly coveted players in the market and his deal ended up underscoring that. And there was a couple of teams like the Marlins, the Brewers that were absolutely firmly involved in the IKF market. And that is, um, I, I think that means really good things for a guy like Whit Merrifield. I like it. Cause I thought coming into the off season, Whit was probably looking at two years for about 16 to 18 million total. I think he's going to end up getting, a healthy amount more than that, especially with what IKF Steel is looking like. But the Blue Jays, they they really like what he brings. They think that they can unlock some more with him, and that was a reason why they they ended up coveting him as, as much as they did, and why they ended up pushing to get a deal done when they did. I know there's a lot of people who are upset with it. I totally get it, but. The Blue Jays are not done by any means. They're going to continue trying to get another bat. They're going to continue trying to. I would even. I wouldn't even rule out multiple bats. Honestly, they're a team that I anticipate continuing to be aggressive because, as the Shohei Otani pursuit underscored, they have a lot of money to spend. They have a lot of money to spend. They've just started, 
And as I've mentioned in the Discord, as as you mentioned at the top of the show, there's a lot of options that are still yet to be unsigned, like Matt Chapman, Cody Bellinger. It's a lot of top starting pitchers on the market as well. Be patient, Toronto fans. Ross Atkins is not done. Unlike Jed Hoyer, he is not hibernating. Just kidding. Jed Hoyer is not hibernating. I want to make that abundantly clear. He's doing his thing. But the Blue Jays, um, I anticipate more moves happening uh, throughout this offseason. I feel very, very confident in that. Well, while we thaw Hoyer out of a block of solid ice, it's probably worth talking about the man who Hoyer employed last year, who we thought was going to zoom to the top of the market based on his 2023 season and is still sort of out here lingering. Uh, Cody Bellinger, the biggest offensive name currently available, and that aforementioned Kiermaier signing did make some people think, hey, is the Blue Jays outfield full? Are we all just waiting for an incentive-laden Cubs reunion for Bellinger? Who knows? Uh, but his market seems to be moving at least a little bit, as does Teoscar Hernandez's market. We have heard that he started following Red Sox fan accounts. The Red Sox are clearly in hot pursuit of Hernandez. We've heard the Angels connected to him. We've heard that the Dodgers have looked, although you would think if the Dodgers were interested in a player and the player was interested in the Dodgers, wouldn't they be a Dodger by now already? We heard rumors of four years to get that Hernandez deal done. Uh, these are probably the two names we get asked about most specifically in both the comments and on the Discord. So I figure we'll talk about them both now. The latest on Teoscar to the Red Sox, question mark, and the latest on Bellinger in general. I'm going to keep it short and sweet with Cody Bellinger here. We're going to be, we're going to be winning. Yeah. I would, do not have uh yeah. I would not be staring at your phone today, like waiting for Cody Bellinger news. Yeah, I think stop that's refreshing good... X. Do not do it. Yeah. I mean, for other news, absolutely do it, but just yeah, do not anticipate any Cody Bellinger news today. Um, but as far as, as Tiosca Hernandez, he is someone that as reports have suggested, he is a, He's a highly coveted player and his market has absolutely moved. I don't know if it's to the point of being close or imminent. I don't believe that's the case by any means, but um, the Red Sox's interest is absolutely legit. Like they've looked at, um, they looked at Tiasca Hernandez. They've looked at infield guys like an Ahmed Rosario type, but among others, and obviously starting pitching has been a big focus for the Red Sox, but Tiasca Hernandez is definitely someone um, of interest to them. I know as a fact that the Angels are interested. I don't necessarily know to what degree that the Angels are involved, but he's um, he's someone who is definitely on their radar. The Dodgers, I'm going to say at this point, are probably unlikely for that one. I would I don't anticipate Teoscar going to the Dodgers, but that being said, if they're interested in a player, can you really rule them out? I don't think so, just because they've shown that they have a lot of money to spend. But I, I do think it could end up getting to the point of definitely three years, but perhaps even four years for Teoscar. The AAV is a is a question at this point. Um, I don't necessarily know what it would be. I don't have a good guess, but um, it's going to be a lucrative contract for sure. And he's someone I even thought coming into the offseason that could have made sense for the Blue Jays. I don't anticipate like I, I, I like obviously they have a lot of options there in the outfield for sure, but they. I, I think they have the flexibility to add another player if they wanted to. I don't know if it's going to be a Bellinger type by any means, or a Matt, like a, I, I don't necessarily know what they're going to end up doing there. But um, the Tiasca Hernandez market is definitely strong, and 
yeah, I, his contract is going to be pretty healthy when it's all said and done. I feel I feel quite confident in that. Smash cut to Teoscar Hernandez holding up a Dodgers jersey, saying, "I always plan to be a Dodger, whether or not Otani or Yamamoto were here." Um, no, I I think look Hernandez, you can visualize it in a Red Sox uniform, and I see the effective player in a Red Sox uniform. It's just funny to me, and I was trying to express this in the Discord and failed because I was wearing my hater goggles. But he just wouldn't have been in the top 30 of names I would have expected the Red Sox to pursue entering this offseason. That doesn't mean it's not a great fit. It just feels like there's so much to address in that rotation. You know how ownership has behaved the last few years. It feels like if they do make that move, it would be dedicating to slugging once again and sort of saying, we're going to out-hit our rotation. Because you just know that that, you know, that, all, that ownership group does not have unlimited funds at this point in time. Hernandez feels like an F you move there. If you got like, if you go out and get Montgomery and Imanaga and then go, Oh, and by the way, we're still the Red Sox. We can also just sign Teoscar Hernandez and keep bashing. Or if you trade Jaron Duran for pitching, it also makes sense right now. It kind of feels like gilding the Lily. He's I think if they get him, he's going to work there. I think he'll be a great offensive fit. It'll look nice, but it'll just be a strange way to complete that roster. That's all I've been saying. No, I think you're you're spot on. But but before I end up commenting on what you just said there, gilding the lily is a let's I've never heard that before. That's that's a uh, top tier phrase. So good it work. It is there. my favorite sandwich at Cape Cod's Box Lunch for all the Red Sox fans in the comments. Um, if you guys have ever <laughs> been to Box Lunch, it's like a crab salad with avocado. It's delicious. So uh, that's a shout out to the folks from Boston. No, we we love it, and I'll I'll tell you. Um, as far as the Red Sox go, it is it's very interesting in the fact of like we saw the report. I think it was from Sean McAdam, uh, who's a Red Sox beat writer, very good at what he does, very connected there. Yeah, he talked to somebody who thought a guy like a Jordan Montgomery could end up being um, being like he talked to someone like asking if Jordan Montgomery could be a fit in Boston, mm-hmm. and obviously on paper it makes a total sense. And, but the price point could end up like that executive thought the price point was going to be too high there. And if a guy like Jordan Montgomery is going to be too expensive, then I would imagine a guy like a, a Lucas G Lito. This is just me basing it off that, that report. This is not me sharing my own information. I want to make that abundantly clear for all the aggregators out there. Cause my phone is going nuts with Twitter accounts. <laughs> me too. Right. I'm getting followed today, which either means people are liking the show or someone unearthed a random tweet from 2010 where I said Red Sox suck or something. Uh, you just never know, but it does seem like this show is going pretty well. Yeah, no, it's, absolutely. We love it. We appreciate all you guys following me, following Adam, aggregating all this stuff. We it's we love it. But um, if a guy like Jordan Montgomery, based on that report, is going to be too expensive, then I would imagine a Lucas Giolito type is going to be too expensive. Obviously, a Blake Snell type would be too expensive. So I'm wondering exactly what direction the Red Sox go in, especially considering we don't necessarily know what their finances look like. And that is a huge question mark there. And as um, Daniel Kern says in the comments, we don't really know what the hell the Red Sox are doing at this point. And it's a really, um, it's, it's just very unique in terms of that entire, like, I don't know. The Red Sox, for as big of a market as they are, they should not be short on funds whatsoever. They should be able to be spending like a big market team. So to me, there's no excuse for that. They should be able to sign a, a big name starting pitcher. They should be able to go out and get a, 
a Teoscar Hernandez and not really have anyone bat an eye and be like, wow, they finally spent. Like, this is the Boston Red Sox. You should have the money to spend on some good players so you can have a, a good baseball team. That's not too much to ask for. Um, just really, really bizarre. But, um, yeah, I just don't know what necessarily the direction in, or the, the direction they go in as far as a starting pitcher with their limited funds or evidently their limited funds. Yeah, I'm willing to be patient there. If we get to the end of the offseason and it's just Hernandez and weird patchwork pitching pieces like James Paxton, then I'm skeptical if they traded their outfield depth. Uh, and one of the discorders cued me into the fact that their whole depth chart is lefties. It's like it's all lefties in the outfield. It's all lefties at the top of the minor league level. It's very weird, and I didn't even notice. So appreciate that. But, yeah, they maybe clear out one of those left-handed bats, use Teoscar instead. Uh, it could work. It's just an odd place to start. And when you haven't seen them spend in a couple of years, it makes you question what comes next. A um, couple other teams I want to hit before we sign off, just because I've seen them mentioned in the comments a bunch. One of them, because I'm in greater Philadelphia right now, shout out to the glassware at my wife's home. Uh, want to hit the Phillies because I see people asking for Phillies updates. And I know they got their hopes up briefly on Yamamoto. Uh, we've mentioned Josh Hader as a fit there in the past. I'm not sure where that stands right now, but I'll use that as the jumping off point to say, are they involved in any big conversations or is it just you'll have Aaron Nola and you'll like it? With Dave Dombrowski, you always know that man loves pitching. And it was no surprise whatsoever that even after getting a guy like Aaron Nola, that they were pursuing Yamamoto. And I don't think they were necessarily um, among the favorites for Yamamoto by any means, but they were they tried. And the fact that they try for Yamamoto, obviously it's a unique opportunity to acquire one of the most talented pitchers in the entire world. Um, but I think it showed that they're still open to adding another starting pitcher. And could that mean a guy like a Lucas Giolito type? Could that mean them going after a Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell? Um, obviously, Dave Dombrowski has shown that he loves acquiring left-handed pitchers. Like he ended up doing it twice with David Price and what he did. Was he, he the one responsible for the Chris sale trade or yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously he's shown he likes left-handed pitchers. Could a guy like Blake Snell be a fit there? Again, this is just me totally speculating, but based on their, on their interest in Yamamoto, I don't think a, another starting pitching addition should be ruled out for the Phillies. I still think, that the Josh Hader connection makes a lot of sense. Uh, that is not me talking about, uh, this is not me like citing sourced information. This is merely me um, just following my instincts. And the Phillies, they still don't have a set closer in 2024. Craig Kimbrell very likely cost them a trip to the World Series. Kimbrell is now in, in Baltimore, so they're not gonna have a reunion there. Um, so, Having a guy like a Josh Hader would make a lot of sense. We saw the report today about him seeking a contract more than 102 million that Edwin Diaz got. We've we've mentioned that on this show, of course, and I don't think the Phillies should be ruled out anything, um, especially the the starting pitching in the relief market because Dombrowski loves pitching, and we'll see. But my instincts tell me that the Phillies are not done and that a big move is possible. And I even know. That John Heyman of uh, of the New York Post said the same exact thing on his Bleacher Report stream about twenty to thirty minutes ago. He is so. The, uh, I don't know. Just keep an eye on the Phillies. 
Yes, it's very funny that we were uh, rolling back and forth with Heyman here, too. We, we still want to get Heyman on this stream at some point, but we will definitely schedule it so that he's not also on his Bleacher Report stream at the same time. Uh, before we go, I, I want to do Padres because we had that question in the Discord and in the comments here a few times. And they're just the still reigning champion of the oddest team in Major League Baseball right now, except maybe the Mariners, maybe the Red Sox, maybe the Cubs. There are a lot of weird teams at this moment in time, but the Padres are stuck in between all the long-term contracts in the world still have the desire to compete. And if not desire the necessity, because what else are you going to do with Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts and company, but what are they pivoting towards at this point? Is all that, is any of that money saved on Juan Soto getting reinvested? There, I am very confident that money that was saved from the Juan Soto trade is going to be reinvested back into that team. And it's taking longer than I think some people would, have liked but that's basically been the state of the market is there's a lot of these people or a lot of these teams who are waiting for prices to come down because they're just so high and there's really not like if we're being real this is probably one of the more weak free agent classes in recent memory and it's not really worth paying overpaying for a lot of these guys besides a Shohei Otani or a Yamamoto or maybe like a few others in there um and I think the Padres are going to be end up being a case where they're not active now, but they're going to end up being active once the prices come down around the league. And I think adding starting pitching has to be their, their top priority here. Um, and I, even adding another outfielder, a first baseman. I know a guy like Dom Smith um, would make a lot of sense in, in San Diego. That is a player that AJ Preller has liked in the past. And to my knowledge though, like nothing is cooking there at this point, but I think a frontline starter for the Padres can make some sense, although I think um, lesser additions are probably more likely there. But one thing we've learned with A.J. Preller is you cannot count them out of anything. And Preller is among the most aggressive general managers in baseball, in baseball history, honestly. Um, what it, it might be a little different now that Peter Seidler uh, has passed away, so we don't have... I don't know if he's got like as clear of direction as he once had. Um, so that could make it tougher to pull off a big move. But Preller is always someone who is open to the big move. I anticipate that being the case once again. Whether or not that results in a deal, I we obviously don't know. Um, but with AJ Preller, what we have learned is to expect the unexpected. And I don't anticipate that changing. Well, as we learn more about the big move, you will find out about it when you join us on the Baseball Insider. Shout out to everybody. Hope you enjoyed your Christmas, your holiday season, your Hanukkah. Uh, hope you maximized your presence there and hope you reinvested some of the presents that you received into bettering uh, your roster, I guess. Uh, a lot of teams received uh, opportunities. Hopefully they reinvest that. Um, shout out as always, everybody joining us on the live stream today. If you are not a member of the uh, YouTube channel and you're not in the Discord and you want to be, uh, become a member of YouTube, select your level of contribution and, and what channel you get to join. And if you're having any trouble, comment on this video, not in the live stream chat right now, not in the sidebar that disappears, but go to the video upload and comment and we will help you out as best we can. Uh, back to normal next week, although not Monday because it is New Year's Day, but you'll be hearing from us again next week. 3:30 Eastern, definitely on Thursday, and we will also go live as needed. Of course, if crazy news drops, you will see us then as well. Shout out to our production staff. Yes, 
Yeah, go keep keep going. Praise the production staff. And then there's there's one thing I want to say because Joanne deserves it, and so Perfect. does Hunter. Yeah, well, I'll praise Hunter, Sean, Joanne, of course, especially our production staff who carried us through 2023. They'll be back in 2024 as well um, after the holidays. Today we're running this stream. It was uh, it was fun, but yeah, we're gonna have that structure back for next year. Those people do great work. Um, and I bow down to them every single time. So does Robert. Um, Robert, I'll pass it on to you. What were you going to say? Um, first off, I'll echo everything that Adam just said about the production staff. Could not do this without them. Um, but two things. I have I have one Yankees fan in particular who is coming at me in my mentions for saying that a Jordan Montgomery reunion in New York is unlikely. Nope. And here is here is my logic behind this. Obviously, yes, money talks. Money is a very legit thing, and Scott Boris, his agent, is not going to limit any suitors. Um, but that being said, the Yankees traded Montgomery. Um, they, there was bad blood. There was comments made immediately after the trade um, about, I want to say it was his pitch usage. Um, mm -hmm. And it was like he made it clear his frustration, and it got back to the Yankees. And I, I think that side was, was frustrated, too, uh, with those comments that he ended up making. And like they ended up trading him when what was it? His wife was was starting school or something along those lines. Yeah. Then the next step of her chasing her medical degree was a residency that she'd set up in New York, and it began the day before they traded him. So I would yeah. have bad blood. I don't know if Jordan Montgomery is a bigger man than I, but they uprooted his life like a day after he got settled. Yeah, exactly. And and obviously time heals all wounds. Um, but to me, that wouldn't seem like a place that I would be eager to, eager to go back to. And yes, perhaps they can end up offering a very lucrative contract, but I just don't anticipate that reunion happening. And I will stand by it. I will be firm in that. Um, have I been proven wrong before? Absolutely. Will I be proven wrong again? Absolutely. Um, but I don't anticipate a reunion there happening. And that's where I'm at. I know there's others who are saying differently than me, um, but I stand by it. So... And then secondly, the Discord. Um, that is something where I have dropped stuff before I've even tweeted it. I yeah. teased the Martin Maldonado siding. I've teased some other movement that's happening around the league. I keep everyone as updated as I possibly can with stuff that I'm hearing. And if you want to be the most informed fan in baseball and join an awesome community, that is a place to go join. We, As soon as we end up getting off the stream here, leave a comment in the YouTube and like saying that you want that you're interested in joining uh the discord we'll get you in there it's a great community a lot of good folks in there and I'll, tr I'll i'll make you guys the most informed fan in baseball anyone who's in the discord can vouch for that um but yeah i highly recommend joining the discord and yeah again i stand by my montgomery to yankees or my montgomery yankees take i don't i don't anticipate that happening again stand by it I believe in that too. We'll see if he really prefers the Northeast, if the Red Sox won't pay, if the Rangers are out of money, if the Mets aren't interested. You never know, but I feel you, and the bad blood does feel real. And uh, Mike Maddox fixed him immediately after he left the New York Yankees, who told him, your fastball's bad and it won't play. So I'm glad he got himself fixed, but it was no thanks to the New York Yankees pitching lab, which has worked for many other starters. Didn't seem to be able to get Jordan Montgomery out of being a four- uh, with a four, uh, you know, three and a half ceiling, and he was a dogged playoff ace this year. 
somewhere else. So we shall see. Uh, hopefully we have a little resolution the next time we come to see you on uh, the starting pitching market in general. Some of these big time movers and shakers, maybe somebody plays Blake Snell, the bag between shows that we could talk about it, but join us on the discord in the interim three 30 Eastern time next Thursday. We'll be right back here. And of course on an emergency stream, if anything merits it until then, See you in the Discord, hopefully, for Robert Murray. I am Adam Weiner. Take care. We'll catch you next week. Thank you, everybody. Happy New Year. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.